Okay, folks, it's episode 49 of Biomast, and we are live and on the air. We've got our stream going, and we're recording, we think, apparently. We don't know. Uh, Pokey's been pushing buttons, and there's a lot of lights going on in the mumble chat, so we might be good. You never know. Or, or we could be like a grease fire like we normally are. But uh, anyway, like I said, we got episode 49, and we got a, a new voice here on the uh, on the net with us, so this should be kind of fun. And we've got a, a few kind of cool tar- topics to talk about. We've got uh, a lot of the... Uh, Pooslinging that's going on in the forums, and we've got a, a, a interesting Trello board that's been thrown up that'll uh, I think play into some of the future things that'll that'll happen in Dust 514, at least from a player-generated side of the house. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hop right on into uh, shout out introductions. So we're gonna start with uh, the bottom of the list, as always, the man who's always the bottom, Sirizel. I'm gonna give my shout out to. Um... The uh, uh, Podside crew, I hung out with them uh, last night. It was like a three-and-a-half-hour podcast. It, it, I, I, I nearly fell asleep, and then I went to go play Heroes of the Storm. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give my shout-out to those guys. Awesome. And Pokey Draven? Uh, I'm Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations and co-host here on Biomast. Cool. JD? I know. I thought I told you to take care of that. All done. <laughs> yeah. Neckbeard Nixon is filling in for the moment for Jadik Menaheim. He's currently indisposed. That sounds like an incredibly bad Michael Caine, which I'm going to have to then one-up at some point in the show, just so you know that. Just spark it down. <laughs> okay, and uh, Cross? Cross the two. I'm a member of CPM1 and OSG Planetary Operations, and currently taking a break from making spreadsheets for dust by doing the Dust Podcast. That is, uh, it's a bit sketchy and it speaks ill of your, your real life activities, but we accept it. Hashtag, uh, this is what sickness looks like. I, I was waiting patiently for somebody to throw that in the room it's, so we could all dine on that. And we've got a new guy to the podcast, Bait. Hey, I'm Bait, um, director for Demonic Cowboys and uh, do this podcasting thing, so go easy on me. <laughs> Oh, it shouldn't be too hard. This can't be any worse than any kind of comms you've ever been on. And I'm Jay Poole, and I uh, I fly with uh, Marvel Comics, and uh, I am also on the Eve side in Agony Unleashed. So let's uh, start our, our little evening off here with a quick CPM update from uh, Crossa2 and Sarazel. What are we updating now? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you guys this are going to lie about totally and like, try to bamboozle the, the uh, community on. <laughs> Okay, well, um, I know that we're probably going to be seeing a new video blog coming from SMB here before too long. He's been getting that in the works for a while. Um, With the way that Denny's been going, we may see a life-sized war barge being 3D printed somewhere in Reykjavik by the time next FanFest rolls around, although I don't know what that'll cost him, but he's Denny, so... Yeah, well, that's a zoning issue. Can they just, like, float it in the harbor? Probably. Um, I myself have spent the last week trying to get all of the information together for the LP stores because that's long, long overdue and prodding CCP about the Logi revamp because they have the spreadsheets. Now it's time to implement them. Um, and I think that there's a meeting in the offing here before too much longer, but that's more of a next week event than the current one. Honestly, aside from multiple spreadsheets, I've been playing a lot of Dust, so I haven't been CPMing quite as heavily during the event. Well, there is something to be said for CPM members that actually play Dust. Just throwing that out there. 
And I think that thing would be 40%, or maybe I've said too much. <laughs> okay. Uh, Zell, did, I mean, seriously, did you actually have anything you wanted to add constructively no, no, for a change? I, I figured I'd like cross-have it this week. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, I do appreciate the quick CPM update, and it's uh, chock full of incredible information and uh, things that no doubt are keeping the uh, the community waiting with bated breath and you know their brows sheened with sweat as they they wait for you to speak and drop not knowledge nuggets on them left and right. Uh, so, by the way, that's my my very overhanded like sort of really crappy attempt at a, at a shot at you because we, as usual, hear nothing, but yet we hear a lot, but we don't think we hear anything, but nobody actually hears the things that we want to hear. So it's going to be well, one of those nights. You wanted a dev, you wanted a dev update on the, the card game, right? <laughs> no, actually, I, I, I could give a damn about Eve, uh, Eve Legion or whatever we're calling it now. Although I, I did hear they've transformed the game again into now a match three game. Just saying. Well, I, I thought I've it been, was like a Google Maps app now. I, I've been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm um, lately. I thought that was uh, good research for the game, game style. How do you like that, actually, by the way? Just total um, aside. I actually, I, I like it. Um, it's um, it, The community's a little bit less toxic than League of Legends, and more importantly, the game is a lot faster and more interesting than League really? of Legends. It takes about... Okay. Um, a match in, in Heroes of the Storm rarely exceeds past about 20 minutes or so. And um, whereas League of Legends can go on to like an hour, and uh, unlike League of Legends, they have like seven different maps that the game plays on instead of like the one map that you play on for for uh, League. Hmm. Okay, that's pretty. I, I've seen it. I've seen a couple of the tags for that game, but I, I've not looked into it at all. I was kind of curious. When I got you, a beta key. Up on that. It was fun. Oh, okay. All right, that's pretty cool. If you decide you want one, Jay, let me know. I'll throw a key your way. Ah, uh, I might if I if I can ever get time. I get, I've barely got enough time oh, to uh, to do normal play? stuff. Yeah, I've been level forty since alpha. Oh God. Okay. Well, I don't want to compete with you then. I was gonna. We need we need to find something to compete on as a rematch since we lost since we tied at disc battle. Jello shot. I would, I would I would say something crazy like you could play dust against each other, but that would be like totally out of the out of well, the he has to log in to do that. Fair point. Let's see. Um, one thing I did want to touch on, and, and I, I'm going to, I, I just so everybody in the listening audience understands. So I've been out of the net for like literally almost 10 days now, and, and I'm only uh, kind of tying in somewhat tangentially. I can't, I haven't, I'm not in a physical location where I can log in, so I'm operating off of kind of degraded mode internet right now. And uh, so, I, but I'm able to follow the forums and I had a couple questions I wanted to throw out to, to the group because you guys have been actively engaged in these discussions and just to kind of, to get like a quick uh, rundown on, on where we're at on a couple things. So one of the things I noticed was a lot of discussion about uh, racial parity of tanks and the idea of having uh, placeholder materials like reskinned placeholders of existing items in game, which is something we've talked about on the show quite a bit, I think, actually. Um, and it looks like there's actually uh, a skin for Minmatar and Amarian tanks. Uh, and and this has caused an interesting schism in the community uh, for people that are all for it and then people that are, you know, screaming the word, you know, like, heretic and burn the witch. It's, and I'm just kind of curious. Kind of a, it's kind of ahead. a schism between, like, sane people and stupid people. That's I think my favorite is the um, the folks who have described the creation of a new ISK asset on the market 
as a form of C- CCP money grab and pay to win. I'm not sure <laughs> how they figured that out, but it was definitely a thing that went on for quite a while. So, so these are going to be normal game assets. They're, this is not like Orm or you know any kind of craziness like that. Yeah, they, these are placeholders. This is basically Ritati spending time over the weekend creating a different visual skin for the assets we have in game, so that we can apply um, the actual stats for racial variance. And basically, this visual asset will be a placeholder until the day when we have the ability to throw resources at modeling it. That's pretty cool. So, no, well, I guess the the thing that I don't that I'm not tracking is, have they been discussing the actual uh, differentials in the stats, in the base stats for the holes, and, and will there be actual turret differences? And, and like when they actually fire, there's going to be like, you know, a laser or something like that coming out of one of them. I, I haven't yet seen any discussion of making one, but it, it wouldn't seem to be out of the realm of possibility to do a laser-like you know, thing because we can use you can use an existing turret physical model, and you've got you know, and, and with lasers, you've it's hard to say projectile. But um, so there is, I mean, there are lasers in the game, so we should be able to upscale that and use that with a turret. I would think. Yeah, he's also discussed uh, the possibility of just additional variants on existing weapons. Like, a, I think that he very briefly said, like a, a blaster that you know is "quote unquote" mimitar but fires you know faster with lower damage, something like that. Just just basic stuff. I mean, he hasn't really gone into much detail about changing the function of how it fires, but I, I don't think it's outside the, the realm of possibility. And additionally, if you look at the way that the existing tanks are designed, it's pretty clear that there's a, a general plan for the other uh, racial variants and how they'll be set up and whatnot. No exact numbers yet, but uh, you, like I said, if you've been following the design process, it's pretty clear uh, that he's got a plan for it. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, the pictures I saw were, I mean, they basically took the Maddie and the uh, and the Sika and they just you know, kind of reskinned them, but they, they looked really good. I mean, I have to say they, they were... That's a that's a pretty good, pretty good attempt to try to to try to bridge the gap and and I think there was a, I caught him in some of the discussions he was describing like look I can either give you something or I can give you nothing and it wasn't like he wasn't I don't think he's been a dick about it it's literally like I hey look this is this is a fast way to get you something and he is just he's very clear he's like I've prioritized like trying to generate whole new art assets in the form of different racial tanks for the Amar and Mimitar is just much further down on my, you know, the list of things that we need to do. Uh, but he, he at least acknowledged that, that, you know, there was something that he could do as a nod to it. It also yep. kind of like helps that, um, I think I, uh, Iron Wolf Saber brought this up in the forums again, about like reminding people that we are dealing with a memory budget on the PlayStation. And like of all the vehicles that we could have brought in, the one thing that we haven't had for ages is the, uh, uh, the Galentian um, RDV because of just that would put us over the edge. So, I mean, this is a fix that can get us something at least that kind of bite us over until maybe the possibility of a port. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing is it's when you look at what is the, your bang for your buck on something, something like RDVs, like for all I care, you know, you could have a single RDV like model with just, you know, some different color stripes on it and, and call it good because you only see the thing for a hot second and it's not really involved in gameplay unless you, well, I, I guess it's involved in gameplay when one lands on you in the red line. Uh, but <laughs> it's a feature. Than, 
yeah, I mean, other than than occasionally farming some more points off of it, if you you know if you catch catch it with you know with some AV coming down or you drop an OB on it, it's not that's not a big deal to be to be messing about with racial parity. Tanks, I could you know okay, that's kind of legit. You know, I could I could see I could see needing or at least wanting uh, something like the HAVs that have you know racial parity. I, I kind of buy that. Um, you know, conceptually, it seems good, and I like the idea of just using placeholders. I've I've been a big fan of them doing the same with heavy weapons too. Like pick pick one of the you know, pick one of the weapons and turn it into a heavy slot weapon and have it shoot a big laser or something like that for the MR, and they can come up with something for the Galente. I don't know what, but it, it can't be that hard. Yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly a lot of possibilities that can be done out there, and I, I think that while some people are upset that these aren't actual art assets it's it's again something which is better than nothing and i think that anyone's insane if they're gonna say they prefer to not have reskinned racial tanks in there over having nothing it's it's just it's nuts to to hate on something that's you know he's giving people what they want within the capacity he has and i think that's totally reasonable and people need to just chill out and understand that you know the Rattani does not have full control over the assets or rather the, the resources available to him. So it's not really in his hands getting angry at him. It's just, it's stupid. Well, uh, is it more that there's, I think it's more, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it's more of a, he is prioritizing the resources he has in a different direction while still trying to satisfy a request from the community as a, and it's not so much of, he doesn't control the ability to use those resources. Right. Well, it's also a question of the type of resources because oh, that's fair. Like, the major prioritization is more a matter of putting frames per second and in match performance above having multiple different models, like trying to focus on getting that to a stable and positive place before trying to add more stuff that will potentially drag it further down into the sludge. Yeah, like I, I guess I, I noticed that a lot of the things they're doing is uh, these these sort of margin things that they're trying to eke out FP, you know, frames per second and general memory performance. Uh, like I, I, I think I caught a thread where they were talking about uh, going and delete every like you know all your contacts, your windows, and your chats, and all this other kind of craziness to uh, try to increase performance. Is that accurate? Yeah, he yeah. brought up a point about the uh, the thumbnails being a, like a memory resource hog. So that was the first thing I think they were looking at. Yeah, there's still an ongoing tech inquest to see the degree of impact, but there's at least some preliminary indication that having lots of emails, having lots of random different stuff in your assets, and of course having multiple custom chat channels can all drag down the performance of the game because essentially the client is preloading lots of stuff that it then doesn't really use in the match and you're running out of active memory to employ for the actual gameplay. I am not sold on how how consistent this is and if it's really a thing though because people will say, "Oh, I got better frame rate." But every time you log in, you can be rolling a dice on how on how good your frame rate is. And I do, I have like eight custom channels open. And I've never deleted or sold an asset I, I I've ever gained in this game that I haven't just used. Um, so I have ridiculous amounts of assets. I don't delete e I don't delete mails. I have hundreds of mails in, in various lists there. I don't think I ever cleaned the 200 contacts out that I have. And the game runs fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure how to. I mean how to judge it. Like I said, I, I think uh, conceptually it sounds fine, but 
I don't know how you I don't know how you empirically clock it. I mean, I'm sure there's a way that they can do that from Shanghai. I do know that the more chat channels you have open, there at least subjectively seems like um, some kind of correlation to the number of DCs you'll have or or general combo problems you'll have at some point in the game. I mean, what other if there's one thing that can be relied upon, it's that Ritati likes his numbers and data points. So if there's a trend that can be substantiated, that's what he'll act on, I have no doubt. No, oh, that's absolutely fair. Uh, so are there any other kind of measures they've been talking about? Well, I guess my the bigger question is, so what if they find out that there is a correlation? What are they going to do? They're just going to like go in and delete all the social functions of the game so they can make it run better? Well, I would certainly hope not and would most certainly rant about that if such a thing were uh, to be suggested. However, there's probably a matter of degrees. You know, keeping 400 old emails is potentially not as necessary as having a baseline of frames per second within the match. But that's a question of margins and so forth and kind of up in the air until it's really clear what the impact is and what the uh, performance savings might be. Okay. Well, I mean, like I said, it, it'll be interesting to see what uh, how this comes out. Hey, Bate, I'm kind of curious. Do you do you see the same thing as well, like either in a PC or other kind of matches? Like if is there, do you guys have any special steps you go through to uh, set your comms up or anything to try to lower uh, lower the possible, I guess, connection issues that you may have? Um, no, not really. We just uh, voice up in, uh, in our corp channel and uh, go from there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I know that uh, a lot most. Most folks, like before, they would try to do some kind of, uh, like, a QSync match, like a faction war QSync or, or a PC. That, like, we would go through a fairly elaborate piece uh, on uh, stripping down comms and all kind of other stuff. To I think a lot of it is, like, you know, sort of baseball-like urban legend of tying your shoes in the right way to just to eke out some kind of minor edge in performance. I mean, psychologically, probably more than anything. Yeah, most likely. Um but yeah, no, we don't do anything. If we lose people, <laughs> then we lose people, and we wait for them back out of matches, pick them back up. Okay, all right. Let's see. What other things have you guys been talking about uh, relentlessly in game for the last like week and a half or so? That would be an open question to the floor instead of the silence that I'm hearing that we're going to truncate on the, ah, on the recording. Okay. So that, no, that's it's okay. It's one of these cool, cool things because. Normally, when you listen to the playback of the show, and I would say something like that, there would be no silence, and then we'd immediately hear, ah, and then my rambling discussion of why there was silence that nobody else can hear. So it's it's totally cool. So watch how this works. What else have you guys been talking about, Pokey? Uh, mostly people, again, still talking about HAVs and balance and whatnot. Uh, there's some issues between shield and armor tanks. They're, I think, in a better place, but there needs to be some more work done on it. Uh, I think Rattati is taking a bit of a break from vehicles for you know a week or something because he's been probably tearing out his hair dealing with the crazy tankers and aviers for, well, months now. But uh, yeah, some stuff needs to happen on that. I think that some aspects of shield, uh, sorry, of armor tanking is overperforming. Some aspects of shield tanking is underperforming, and uh, there might need to be some fundamental changes to uh, certain modules. At least I personally believe, and I think a lot of people in the community believe as well, that like the uh, passive armor repairs, for example, at least the heavy ones are just too good, and ideally we can move them back to an active uh, active module opposed to a passive module because things were a lot easier to balance to work with in the past. Um, and then once we moved this 
uh, passive HP regeneration with the uh, original tank rebalance, it, everything kind of went to shit. So hopefully we can reverse that mistake and, and maybe get things in a better place. But like I said, things are, are better recently, but they still need work. And hopefully we can get that done in the near future without you know diverting too many resources away from some other pretty important issues. Has there been any discussion about uh, the labs or the dropships? Or is it they're just still just really tank-focused? Um, well, certainly the, the lab and dropship pilots are, are calling for the same sort of treatment uh, that the HAVs got, the, the shift to a, a flat slot multi-tier uh, progression like the HAVs have, where they uh, would basically have an increase in, in resources, but the same number of slots. I, I think that's totally something that should happen before we really dive into like racial variants. I think that the, the whole skin thing was, was cool, but we do need to get the, the dropships and the LAVs have the same treatment that the HAVs got because uh, I don't know much about dropships. I can't comment on it, but the LAVs are really kind of screwed up right now. Um, the the yes. more recent changes. Yes, they are. Yeah, it, it was it was a knee-jerk reaction that kind of got the intended effect, but also totally gimped them. So we need to, to look at how those are fit. Um, we look at the, you know, the base HP, which is, a again, kind of a, a total rebalance thing for the LAVs, but it needs to happen because right now they're basically rolling coffins. Collision damage is a big one on my list as far as that goes. The collision damage for them, even before the rebalance, has been way too high. You know, when you can have a friendly tank, look at your LAV and, and it, it explodes. It's kind of not where it should be. Yeah, I've I've gent- gently bumped an LEV into the back of a tank before, and the entire thing detonates. I mean, I've I've had less. I rather I've had more, you know, uh, violent fender benders in a real car, and my car didn't blow up in the process. So I think that it's uh it's not working quite right in the game. I th- I'm not sure if we're at the point yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if you tried to like murder taxi a heavy and it destroyed your LEV at the same time. Uh, I think Cross has a funny story about that. <laughs> didn't didn't that happen to you earlier? Oh, don't tell me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think so, something about hitting, something about actually hitting somebody and the, the car blew up and, and didn't kill the guy he hit. I, I forget what it was. What, no, no, I got out of a out of a car and a guy tried to run me over. He slammed into my lab. My lab exploded, killing me, and then he drove away. Which I'm not quite sure how all of that works, but yes, he killed me by running my lab over oh, while okay. I was outside of it. That's, yeah, uh, that's genius. It, it's it's a special sort of thing right now. It needs to be fixed. I think collision damage in general. I think even fall damage itself is is a little high. So for vehicles and infantry, I think it's a little uh, needs to be toned down quite a bit. Okay. Hey, Bate, are you a vehicle operator? Or are you primarily just an infantry guy? Um, just infantry. Okay. All right, man. Yeah. No drama with that. Yeah. By the way, man, you got to throw some elbows to get in here. Just saying it's cause we'll just continue to ramble unless you like knife your way in. Well, well we should, we should ask what, to, what does uh bait like to play in the game? Are you asking? <laughs> I am. Yeah. Um, so I run, uh, mainly Galente Lodgy. Um, been dabbling into a uh, Caldari scout, uh, and Caldari commando. Um, I think within the past month. Yeah. Okay. And Galente sold every now and then. No, I got you, man. That's pretty good. That's a good mix. It gives you a good different a different set of play styles. Do you most, mostly run pubs, faction warfare? What do you? What's your kind of like normal cup of tea? Um, a mixture between uh, faction warfare and um and pubs. Okay. Hey, Noel, I do actually have a question for you. Like, and this is a this is pretty good. 
pretty good open one since I've kind of been removed from playing for a little while. How are you, how have you been finding match the little new matchmaking uh, over the last couple three weeks? You know, it's weird. Um, we'll get into a um, into a battle, um, a full squad of us, and uh, we'll see people on the other side leave, and uh, you know maybe three or four of them leave, and the game does not. Um, it doesn't bring new players in to fill those spaces. So we'll have like a 16 V a, uh, like 11 man match. Um, and it'll, it'll screw over the other side, which obviously is good for us. But when it happens on our side, then it, uh, it's not good for obvious reasons. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it's, and like I said, I've, I've been out of, out of touch for about a week and a half. So I was kind of curious if the, uh, uh, how things have matured now that there's kind of, People getting more reps with the uh, the matchmaking. Uh, what do you guys think uh, for the rest of the folks in the room? How are you guys? Has are we still seeing this kind of the same problems, or is things leveled out over time uh, with matchmaking? I had a major contrast lately because I've been playing pubs to test the matchmaking, and then the event started, so I shifted over to playing Fact War, which is you know always been a little bit more Wild West than standard pubs, but is close to our pre-matchmaking pubs. And it was kind of amazing to me how much I'd gotten used to the idea that blueberries in a match could do at least basic things. And the shock of realizing that in fact war, that was much less true than I had rapidly gotten used to due to matchmaking, you know, little things like hacking the near objective on first deploy. And, you know, when there are four of them and there's a red dot, someone shooting at him so forth, which, Essentially, if you're a new player to the game and you have no context, you're going to be looking around and learning the map and so forth, and we'll overlook a lot of stuff, and that's not really a surprise, but I'd grown accustomed due to matchmaking to having vets who at least understood understood the maps and so forth, and it was a pretty stark contrast going back to Fact War with players that don't know that or do any of those things and realizing that, hey, I can't count on any of these things anymore, and... Uh, you know that it had become something that I was able to do in public matches that was not true prior to matchmaking. Okay, uh, how about you guys, Pokey, Ironwolf? Um, kind of the same as last week. It, it, I feel that the the intensity of the battles is is a lot better. I feel that the, it's more balanced when the number of players on each side actually is even, but there is still definitely an issue where uh, sides can become skewed if people start leaving and then you end up with, you know, rather big differences in the, in the player count. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed. I'm not entirely sure how, but in general, if we can fix that issue, I think overall the matchmaking is going to be a lot better for pubs. Hey, by the way, Iron Wolf, can you give a quick intro? Hello, I'm CPM1 Iron Wolf. I'm secretary and I like playing games. As most CPMs do. Um, that has nothing to do with competency in the game. Um, so I, I was kind of curious. The uneven matchmaking is—is is that so? Have you guys kind of determined that that is actually more of a end of match issue versus a beginning of match issue? What do you mean? So what I'm like when I like I I think I played for maybe a week or so, a little over a week with the uh, the updated matchmaking scheme, and I noticed. That kind of a lot more of the unbalanced matches. I, it seemed like I was getting like 12 on 8, 12 on 9, you know, some somewhere somewhere around there uh, pretty frequently it felt like. 
Uh, and I wasn't sure if that was how the game started or how it ended, but I know that periodically something would seem weird in the match, and I would, you, you know, you find a safe spot and you flip on the uh, on the team the team screen, and you can see, and you you would end up seeing like, wow, there's you know, like 13 people on one side and like you know nine on the other, something like that, uh, like halfway through a match. And I, I guess that's my question: is that that's more of a what, hap- what has happened over the course of matches people have left or or literally the match just doesn't fill up all the way sometimes? We've been finding out it's mostly people leaving matches. It's matchmakers getting them pretty close to full, around 14, 14 to 16 per side. But people will just leave. Yep, that's corroborated by my own independent testing. The number of matches that have a variance of more than two per side or have less than 14 on a side is fairly small but there are especially in dominations a lot of matches that end with massive disparities as people decide to bail out midway through yeah no i could i could totally see that so i i guess the the question is under i guess extreme like player count issues like why would matchmaking not just simply fill up you know 16 on 16 all the time or or does it does it actually try to do that that may be a bug um that it's not doing its job right, currently right now getting people in mid match okay all right well that, because it's fair. it's still a major problem right now that um people are getting thrown in right before the end of screen match shows up yeah, see, now that's what I can't figure out. Is like I, I've seen that in a couple of places where they talked about, uh, hey, the, it's not bringing people in. But uh, what I noticed, again, anecdotally at best, is uh, I would I would be brought into a match uh, that had already started about the same number of times when I tried to queue, uh, as a, like particularly as a solo player. But the the number of times I was brought in, like literally as the game was ending, was it, it's seem noticeably higher if that makes sense well the the original intended fix was to prevent you from joining a match when it was over it's because when that situation happened you got stuck loading into this match that you can't even spawn in or even see the end result screens or even see the defeats or victory screen because they don't load for you so you're stuck in the match until the lobby closes and that's what it was supposed to be preventing. Now it's like throwing you like a second before you get to see that. So yeah, you actually get to see the um, end of match screen. My but... suspicion, and it's you know just something that I've been kind of anecdotally putting together, but is that the matchmaking yeah. itself is establishing maximum and minimum moo ratings for who can slot in. So you have people you being put into matches to fill those slots, but only when they're comparable for the missing players which causes gaps if people of the right rating aren't queuing up at that time and can also cause you to be thrown into a match that's mostly done if that match is looking for someone of your rating. Yeah, I, 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 I could see that. I sort of suspected that's how it was after the first couple days that there was like a target score that the, the matchmaker was trying to get. And what I, original, what I originally surmised was that, uh, let's say if the score equals like, Hey, the the mu rating of 100 points, you know, almost like Warhammer 40k. You know how you you build squad points like army points. Like there was some point number that it would try to equalize, and then if you got to that point number of like you know a, a mu score of 100 uh, on your team with eight players, because the eight players are that good, and then you had to use 16 players to get to it because they were not that good or not that experienced. That's how to, that's just how it worked out. Now, now that would actually, in a weird way, 
that that could lead you lead you to some good matches because if you were if you were outnumbered, you would have um, some logical sensing that you should be able to have a chance against them just based on relative skill. But that's also very dependent on the game mode, as we've talked about, particularly with domination. So that that was my original uh, original thoughts on it when I first started to kind of see the imbalances. But it sounds like that that may not necessarily be the case uh, in terms of how things are playing out. But yeah, now the matter of keeping people in the match. Uh, did any of you guys catch the thing that Tati had up on his big board of things with the? Uh, it's like a kind of like a carrot solution to keep people. Where you like it's a, like a completion score, where like if you keep completing matches, you have a modifier that goes up and up. I think the max would be like like a two x reward for the stuff you get in a pub match, but if you keep leaving, that would go down to zero, presumably. Hmm. So that's I don't know I, I I'm I'm. That that sound. I think that sounds really good, Jadek. I just um, I'm a little bit leery because I know when if you have a squad of six people and you queue in, let's for about an hour of play, how many matches like do you think you get in if you got you know a full squad of six? You count like a bio break and different kind of stuff. Maybe five, six matches. At, yeah, at, that would sound about right. Yeah. So I would suspect if you have six people in your squad and you're trying to get let's let's call it five matches in an hour. Uh, random types of matches. You're probably going to restart, jump out of jump out of match three or four times in that one hour. Uh, you know, trying to like, hey, you know, Bob didn't get in. Everybody out. Okay, X up or like, oh, hey, I didn't hear the cancel. I'm in. Okay, let me get out. Let me, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I just I'm a little leery of the uh, of adding the stick to that. The carrot makes sense a little bit, but the stick not so much. Well, the thing is, com- a lot of the people in the community we're calling for are just stick and no carrot at all, so it's like a little scary there what's going on. Well, I mean, usually the people that, that uh, are having that kind of reaction aren't, like, I, I don't know. I, I, like, I don't want to overgeneralize on, on somebody's opinion, you know, or their perception, because that's one thing I've noticed is that you, you can have 16 people on your team and you'll have 16 different perceptions of how a match went. Uh, that's... I think that's just a, a fact. So I, I could see there being some concern with that, uh, but my general reaction to that would be that those are the, those are folks that have recently been scalded by the matchmaking bug or whatever, uh, and then they're you know it's a bit more of an emotional response. So I did actually want to ask Jadek a question. If you guys have a second for this, uh, we had an interesting post that popped up on Twitter and uh, I'll tease it out by saying, I, I think everybody's aware that there's going to be a, uh, you know, some form of simple player trading that's coming out relatively soon TM ish uh, into dust, which is, you know, it's like one of the things we probably should have had from day one, but we're, we're glad it's coming in. Uh, so in an effort to perhaps bridge some of the uh, or at least triage into some of the, the capabilities that we desire as players and dust to do things other than shoot each other in the face. Uh, Jadek, I believe, is sponsoring a Trello board uh, to run as uh, day trading is not really the right term, but more of a, a flea market, if you will, uh, for dust items and activity that can be traded or swapped. Uh, Jadek, would you mind kind of giving us a, a quick rundown on how you came up with the idea and sort of what you've got going on with the Trello right now? Oh, yeah. Um, the initial idea kind of came from, I was kind of like browsing through the forums a little bit, and someone was commenting again on, 
gaming faction warfare for like selling the items to other groups and whatnot but just kind of thinking about that again how difficult it is to set up trades where i mean the, the forms aren't really well equipped to to handle like the meticulous volumes of like what people want to get from like this item and what faction to this module so i was looking at the trello again and kind of like looking over the features that you could use from that and really popped out to me that you can have desktop notifications. So kind of one thing led to another and I started building on the, uh, the idea of categorizing all the items that we have in dust. And we have what is the uh, kind of an, an initial kind of like trading tool for people to, I guess, kind of like a, uh, you can use it like a Craigslist sense. You put up a, a want, like a, want to sell order, want to buy order, and then the lister has their contact in there, and then um, you get from that info to contact the seller and go from there. There's also a nifty little feature, too, with uh, Trello, and they have power-ups. Uh, one of them is uh, card aging, so it allows you to see like what card has aged over time, um, so you can kind of tell what items, if they've been listed there, aren't really selling or have been going a lot quicker, so you can kind of gauge market activity that way in a nifty sort of fashion. That's pretty cool. So what uh, what kind of reaction have you gotten from folks so far? I've seen a couple additional cards that have been popping up. Yeah, it's been pretty positive. Um, a lot of it uh, right now, it's uh, kind of catering to people that can actually do like services for ISK or ISK exchanges. So it's another way to to get eyes on what people want to sell for that in regards to that. But yeah, people like what's uh what's coming down the pipe and just kind of waiting on Ratati for some good news about simple trading. I would recommend that you, if you haven't thought about it, like uh, you're to reach out to Kriba and uh, see if you can go into business with him. I could see a, an interesting scenario coming about, particularly particularly because uh, the way simple trading is, at least has been described, is um, there could be a... Uh, it's not really a contract system like you have in Eve. So the the opportunity for like theft slash scamage is pretty high. And Kriba has definitely made a, uh, a, a niche in the industry for brokering uh, like high ISK value trades and, and, and such. So that might be an interesting business model that you could engage with him on. Yeah, no, he's already been looking at that, but yeah, it's definitely a big need for trusted third-party escrow services. Indeed. Yeah, I'm not sure I would trust very many people to escrow anything currently <laughs> that uh, that play dust. The now, I guess my my random question, and I've seen this batted around, but I haven't heard anything pseudo-official, and, and this may be one for the three tight-lipped. Uh, non-communicative CPM members that we have in the room. Um, are they talking about just, because you can already send people money, but are they talking about only like ISK items? Can, does, is it going to include ORM items and, and I think more importantly like boosters? Well, the, it, I, It's going to be a rollout in stages, starting out with only ISK things to see what all the bugs and possible issues are kind of live in the field as it were, and then later on rolling out to include more other items and ORM things. It, like you, if there you know if there's some way to exploit the system in a horribly broken way, it would be ideal to find that out before people are sending twenty dollar items. 
Mm. Like, we don't want people to cancel trades, we don't want people duping items, we don't- all- all the shenanigans that are usually involved. Oh yeah. No, no, I, I got- I'm just- I'm saying in the- I guess in the, the near term, though, that there's a- the, the the intent is that you can actually exchange or trade or send all yeah. of those items, though. And I, I think it's, and not only uh, as far as I know, that is absolutely the plan, um, but uh, I, I think it's huge because it opens up access to those items to people who may have a lot of ISK that they can work with, but they can't afford to buy stuff with, with Orem. Yeah. Well, also social features where, you know, you can have people who want to to get a buddy started in the game or help build their corp, etc. I know back in the days of closed beta, there were people who invested literally thousands of dollars in purchasing assets so that their corp would have those on hand and then had no way to actually distribute said assets for their corp. So interesting possibilities open up once you can trade all of the item types and that's pretty much the goal as far as I understand it. Back in the day, man, those, those voice activator things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, universal voice transmitters. That that was one of the best updates to a feature that I think CCP pulled off in those days. It's like that thing; it's gone now. You don't need it. <laughs> the uh, that, that was actually leading me down like an interesting train of thought on that was, you know, what would be kind of interesting in terms of a corp war barge feature is like a corp armory, where where you could like store your high-end stuff and you can distribute it like within the corp uh if i don't know if there's any of that's been discussed but that's a that strikes me as like that would be a really really useful tool it sounds simple but the ways that you can you could use that um you know for social reasons for trading reasons for any number of different things like like whatever the the resource or the thing is that uh districts produce you can send payment in numerous ways, or you can you can support other people's PC uh, PC fights without actually I don't know uh, you know sending them you know troops. You can act, you can send them loads of weapons down the line. You know there, there, it gives you a lot of different uh, a lot of different options. You can use them as rewards for uh, like internal rewards for players. Uh, is, is that been discussed at all? Like as a just a possible option or something they can put on a whiteboard, guys? Uh, it hasn't been discussed really heavily as far as the this is how we'll be able to do that sort of thing. But I know I, for one, have been pretty enthused about the idea of that happening. Um, it's one of the elements from my days in EVE that I would really like to see show up in Dust because, as, as you pointed out, it provides a lot in the way of player content and emergent behavior and just general utility for a relatively low overhead cost. Yeah, no, I think it'd be I think it'd be pretty uh, pretty fascinating. It's it'd be a great tool for uh, you know directors and CEOs to utilize. I think. Yeah, I know from my time managing corps and you know running PC battles for the while that I did that, having a tool like that would have made a number of things vastly easier. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you could also get into a uh, I mean, like suit replacement programs outside of just paying ISK. There's a lot of neat things you can get into. So. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, we've, I think, cycled through a lot of different uh, dust topics. And, and real quick, if there's anything uh, that you guys had that you wanted to bring up on the table about uh, uh, goings on in Dust Five One Four, like, or, or if there's any commentary on the uh, like the LP uh, event that we've got going on, you know, please pitch it out because I've got a couple other things in my pocket we can put on the table and discuss quickly. 
but I want to make sure we kind of made the rounds on all the dust material first. Well, everyone should be reading our, our blog now on a regular basis. Oh, that, yeah, we haven't moved on to the tabloid section of the podcast. <laughs> read, read the blog. Read the blog. We'll, we'll get, there's, uh, we're talking about the game you don't play right now. The tabloid is Bam's Corner. Uh, <laughs> I got one well, thing. Just, oh. uh, go, go ahead. Okay. Um, I was a player in the forums. Juno Tristan had brought up a point. Um, now that we have uh, tiered matchmaking, um, uh, is it, uh, should we start looking at like tiered payouts for those matches? We sort of have that to a degree in the um, way that the SP logic works in-game, but it could definitely be applied more heavily in the ISK side of things. Because the ISK payouts are based on the things destroyed in the game, and usually the higher tier matches would have more, more expensive things getting blown up to bits. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but how big is the variation? Is it off of a baseline, or what? The way ISK works is that the value of everything that is destroyed goes into a pool. The victors get two-thirds of the pool. The defeated team gets one-third. And then within that, what you personally destroyed, like the ISK value of things that you destroyed, and your total war points, all relative to that of the rest of your team, determines the portion of your team's take of that pie that you get awarded directly. It also determines what sort of dice rolls you get on your loot. Yeah, the salvage stuff. So uh, now this is a, this actually that's that's a good explanation of it. It's very clean. The uh, a, a quick question: the the original schema for Proto, like the th was was it designed where where I, I mean I'm just off the top of my head. I can lose two suits, and I, it would be an uncommonly high payout to even break even. Is that is that that light level of ratio by design? because they thought Proto would be that uncommon when they first started this? It was more there, intentional that Proto World should not have been a sustainable finding thing. Yeah, there, there are degrees within it, because not all suits um, have the same bite, even at Proto level. So there are certainly some problems in that regard. But running Proto gear itself was supposed to be essentially Sunday best. It was when you really absolutely need to win and do everything you can to do so. It was not supposed to be something that you did every match or with any degree of consistency. However, so you, you should lose money running Proto. Jim. Uh, yeah, on average, sustainable running of Proto was not um, something that was designed to be the way things worked. Um, unfortunately, since then, we've not only had some issues with passive ISK faucets, we've also had a lot of price tweaks that went on and may or may not have cascaded fully throughout things. You know, in those days, a heavy frame, for example, costs more than a medium frame, and different weapons had different price points. And so kind of the market in general needs to be looked at a little bit more fully and kind of rebalanced to a degree, in my opinion, anyway. That's a, that's a very good point. I, and I was kind of curious about what the like how the ratios are supposed to work, because if anything is imbalanced, it is how ISK moves within the game. Uh, and, and I I think it would be a very long time before, uh, before we get to the point where there is a much more level leveled out curve in terms of the ISK, the overall ISK balance. Now, to a degree, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing because as long as you have veteran players and new players, there's always going to be that, but it's, it's to the extent now, like, for, like technically for me, I, I could, I could probably play 
seven days a week, a couple, three hours a night and run proto for like, and nothing but proto for a long time uh, before I, I got legitimately close to being concerned about money. So I'm, you know, and I don't know that that's necessarily right, but I also, on the same hand, I don't know that that's, I don't know that it's a, a great idea to want to limit people. And if we, if oh, you put a lot of your effort into aspiring to like level guys up into the, to that kind of gear, because uh, we don't really have an end game necessarily here. It, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy when it, it becomes so expensive that, uh, you know, guys like save up for like three or four days to like run five proto suits. And then those things get waxed in like three minutes. Well, well, the same, the oh. same thinking can be applied to officer suits when we actually do get some training in. I mean, you're not going to be running officer suits left day and night because it's just unsustainable. I mean, it's the same reason why no pilot in EVE runs full officer. Because you're just asking to get your ass shot off if you do that. Yeah, well, I mean, you're doing that under very, very controlled circumstances. Like, you, you, normally when you see something like that, like full dead space slash officer mods, uh, you know, really kitted out ships in EVE, that's in a in normally a very controlled environment. So, for example, uh, if you're going to run incursions or like level like high level mission runners in high sec, because they know th the odds, the environment itself is in their favor of being able to uh, retain their ship. Mm -hmm. So that's that's unlike how it is in Dust. Um, no, that that's that's that thinking has been changing over the last few um, years. Considering that the high sec pirates are getting smarter about their targets, and they're specifically looking for juicy bait like that. Yeah, and, they're shit. Like they they always have. But everybody talks about high sec pirates, but that's not nearly as big of a, a an issue as that people make it out to be either. I mean, well, it, it is it is getting down to the point that other players are now teaching other players about the rate of investments on these on on such gear. And everyone's done concluded that the price of officer gear and dead space gear is so high that you could easily bought 10, 10 mission ships um, that do the same thing, just about only 5% slower. Mm, I, I think we're running in different circles in EVE then, because I'm, I'm certainly not seeing that. It's not to say, not to say it's, it's either one is totally incorrect, it's just... I think the just the the random discussions I've had, it's it's a little bit it's a little different than what you're seeing. The highly controlled environments you may be thinking about may be still with um, some cases of dueling, but even that then that's still risky. Um, that's still rather risky. No, I'm 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 actually talking about level five mission runners, and level four mission runners, and incursion runners. Like if you the blingiest boats you'll ever see is like an eight man incursion fleet. That shit's all dead space mods. Yeah, well, that, that's stuff where you have kind of a, a quote-unquote controlled environment. Same, same with level fives, where you can essentially know what you're getting into, assuming that an external force doesn't come in and jump you. So you use the best you can, because then you optimize your ISK per hour. Yeah, exactly. And and it's, like I said, it doesn't mean that they're risk-free. It just means that they're, the the probability of them, of them losing that investment over time uh, is a little lower. The the other thing is in Eve that you clearly can't do in Dust is you can you can have a fairly tight uh, correlation between how long you need to keep a given ship fitted in a certain way, like a, you know like a total is cost, in order to make back the cost of the ship in terms of the activities you're doing with it over time, you know that kind of thing. You you can determine that mathematically. Uh, it, that is ex exceedingly difficult to do in Dust, uh, just 
based on the the raw you know the raw rate in which you lose equipment and suits. Yep. Well, you can't guarantee what sort of opponents you'll be up against all the time either. So that's that's part of the fact why you can't do that. If we had PVE, you would be able to do that easily. Yeah, no, I would totally agree with it. Like if if there was a you know kind of excuse me, like a like a zombie mode, like a Left 4 Dead style PVE you know component of dust drone survival. I, yeah, I would absolutely be probably be running officer gear like left, right, and center, like just mowing through that stuff. Um, unless it got, unless it was really, really amped up, and it was, you know, some pretty legit AI, and it was, you know, it was a threat. Uh, that would, you know, I, I could totally see it. But you know, like I said, just kind of curious about how that was, how that had worked out in terms of ISK per proto ratio. Um, but I think Cross, you make a really good point that is one of those things that that's easy to overlook because we get really focused on things like, you know, the performance of a, of a sidearm or you know how much PG is in a tank, you know, that kind of stuff. In a game like Dust, you know, things like uh, managing the burgeoning uh, economy is probably not a bad way, particularly now that there's a desire to actually, you know, for for lack of a better term, grow an economy by allowing, you know, the player trading, the sending of ISK and assets, and with a revamp of PC coming up, it's probably about time to start looking at some of those type of of out-of-match overlays in the game. Yeah, yeah, that's it's definitely one of the... um somewhat more rarefied or second tier effect but i think that that being said it is in many ways just as intrinsically fundamental as anything you do in match like you need the in match stuff to get to the point where the economy is truly functional but once you have the in match stuff the economy elements are by no means less significant yeah that's that's pretty legit um anybody else have anything else that's uh, purely dust related they want to pitch out oh my stimulants Um, there has been a lot of discussion going on in multiple different channels both you know multiple skype channels as well as in-game stuff and some cpm things and so forth Uh, i am personally very interested in more feedback from the community preferably reasoned and specific feedback as to not just say i like them or don't like them but what do you like to use them for and why what don't you like to see them used for and why etc because there's a lot of push and pull on both sides of those i have my own experiences and opinions but as usual my player hat and my cpm hat are things that i make sure don't overlap so my own experiences are just the experiences of one player and i would like more input from the community than just the um few vets that happen to frequent certain channels so i guess general shout out to anyone who's listening throw me an email in game or you know in uh, to, to my offline email address and give me your impression of myos i would like to have as much of that as possible within the next couple of weeks no that would uh, i think that's that's a good way to look at it in terms of uh, trying to approach it from a feedback standpoint. Uh, I, I know conceptually a lot of people really like the Myos. I, I think it makes me wonder if they liked them because they were so dramatically different than the game. You know, like it gave you radically different things to do in the game than you'd had previously, or if they liked them because of the things you could actually do with them. If that makes sense. I like I, I like more sci-fi in the game. I've always have. I've I've liked a. I've always wanted. I I think I put this in my um. I think I put this in my platform when I was running for CPM. Is that I? It's a sci-fi game, and I want to see sci-fi-ish elements. And and to me, you know, superhuman jumping that's augmented by you know this this drop suit 
is absolutely a part of that. Okay. It presents gameplay opportunities that you can't have in Call of Duty, and you never will, because that isn't what that game is. And unless you count the Call of Duty that just came out, right? Yeah, unless you count... The, okay, sh- I haven't played that one. Okay, my Call of Duty is Modern Warfare, like, okay? Or, or unless you count things like Unreal Tournament and Tribes, right? That, and that it were pretty much any game with a jump pack, right? Sure, and jump packs are sci-fi. This is a sci-fi game. We should have sci-fi elements. Okay. But but we yeah, still but have being but, limited to ladders is kind no, of I, sad. I just want to be clear. I'm I'm all I'm all in on the sci-fi element of the game. That's actually one of the things that, that drove me here. So can you tell me what is the sci-fi uh, component that leads me down the road of having a projectile throwing heavy machine gun that has the range that's like less than what I can throw a baseball. That's fair. I would explain it, but you probably call bullshit on it. <laughs> I, I would, but that's okay. No, and and I actually I can appreciate like I I'm not a ginormous fan of the Myo fives at least the way they're done. But I like the idea of using of having something that helps you move generally a lot better than because as we've all said, you know the movement in this game is is, is perhaps maybe the worst worst part of the game in match. Um, but no, I, t- I totally see where you're coming from on that, Shraya. I think um, it makes me wonder though. Should should we if you if you go back to like uh, like literally old old school Unreal Tournament right uh, before they Good time. Add, if you add, if you had the jumping ability like if heavies could jump over things if mediums could jump a little higher you know things like that if generally people could move a little bit better through dust just by changing their their base stats I think that would have been received as a very very positive change just in general. If that makes sense. Yeah, the base stats on all of them should be changed. Um, should be changed to at least help heavy jump railing. I mean, I swear they made those things near useless. They don't give enough cover. They made them a little bit too high, and they're not low enough. Well, and and that's kind of the thing is like it, it you know, because the way the maps are made, there are some very complex maps, which is which is great. Uh, but ultimately, if you're not going to uh, tweak the way the the base like all the base character classes can move through your area um because you don't have like vaulting mechanics or peak mechanics or cover mechanics and things like that like it you you don't have any of those sort of more tried and true things that have been around for oh i don't know years now but we don't have in dust you've got to come up with some other way to uh you know, to, to negotiate terrain and really negotiate the maps in such a way that the game just feels smooth, and that's uh, and by the way, sorry, you be onto it. I think it was uh, with Titan Warframe. Uh, I think it's Warframe or, or Titan Space Engines. That that was a really good movement engine. Like I, I played Titanfall? around. With, Titanfall? Yeah, Titanfall was good. Yeah, I played I, around. With, I, I didn't played like around Warframe. With it. Titanfall was actually it moved just really fluidly. It's and, a it's a very fluid movement style. You kind of actually you have to kind of retrain how you move about the map for that game. Um, and then you come back to dust and you, you try and jump off walls and it doesn't work. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's a great point. And that's, and I, I mentioned that, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago I had, uh, as the first time I'd played like uh, current gen consoles. Uh, and it's, it's when you get hands on and eyeballs on like, uh, like basically a, a, a current game, like a new game. 
it, it really puts a lot of things into contrast for you. So that's why I was like, I, the myofibs, yeah, Roger, I mean, maybe it's a good thing to have a radical change, but I think they'd been better off just tweaking, uh, you know, how people move generally through the game. <laughs> Uh, and then perhaps adding something that's a, a bit more fantastical to it, uh, you know, to, to cater to the folks that are more along your lines, Raya. Oh, Richardi did made a post about adding a jump pack to the game. So if we ever get around to that, then we can talk about adjusting the Myra Fibes in. Because this will be a active module similar to the cloak, maybe. And you'll activate it and be able to jump higher with it on, so... Whereas I'm pretty opposed to the idea that something which has tactical and balance implications now should be left untouched under the theory that we may have another asset to replace it someday. That seems way too close to the dust development method of yore, which is part of why I want a lot of community feedback now, because I would rather it be something that's established and addressed than just kind of let hang out, because maybe sometime later... Well, it doesn't mean that we can't change it to where we would like to see it now, but uh, well, at least see the replacement feature now. Because if you stack five minor firewalls on a Kadari logic, it gets silly. It gets it gets more beyond than sci-fi silly. So it's like yeah, that, there, that there definitely my... does need to be adjustments, such as um, stacking penalties not applied. Yeah, I, I saw someone earlier today jump off of a slight incline and use their inertial dampeners coming down. That's legit. Hey, I'd like to see infantry collision come back. The trolling is real. Uh, well, I, I think the, I, I'm, I think there's enough problems in the game that I, something like Myofibes, just in a weird way, as fun as it probably sounds in the short term to a lot of people, it, it, I'm still not convinced that we've got it figured out where a scout can literally move fast enough that your, your bullets can't connect with him like physically that that makes me concerned i don't know if that's true or not but boy it sure seems like it sometimes minor fireballs if they're jumping in the open they're it's usually a negative uh, move for on their part it's when they're jumping around during in the heavy urban environments where there's plenty of cover is when they start becoming a problem yeah and then they will be armed with the usual gacha weapons that like scouts like to use so because it's really it's it's not like in an open area Jumping is not going to prevent you from shooting them, and effectively, it's not moving but fast enough. What, one-on-one really isn't an area where it's heavily a problem. It's more like if you're in a choke point, and then suddenly yeah. you have two to three people flying over your head in different directions. Whereas before, you could have managed that threat. Now there's no way to address it because they I mean, can yeah, all one of the fun moments time. was, or, or you know, where our our guys and their guys were kind of around a corner from each other, and I could literally like jump back and forth between the corner with enemies and the corner with friends, you know, relatively quickly. So I could just jump over, take a few pot shots, jump back, take a, you know, jump back over, take a few shots, jump back, etc. It's also kind of fun how you can jump around with weapons that normally stun lock. Yeah. Like, uh, the, like things like the weird homie. Yeah. We're coming forge gun. <laughs> yeah. You can, uh, you can hold a charge and jump around. It's nice. It can jump pretty high with all those things too. Actually, it's. I think it's when you can go like. In, it's a new way to counter the the limited range and hitting dropships. Well, the the one on one or the open piece. You know, I think it. I think it's very relative. Like you can be in a fairly open map, but if a scout decloaks and leaps over you, uh, he, he will un. He like I've watched him do this on more than one occasion, where you can pretty much empty a flaylock pistol 
in midair or you know or plasma you know fire plasma cannon switch weapons before you hit the ground and then you're flay locking somebody that's a, you know it's a great it, it is a very useful thing i can't fault the guys that are doing it because that's what the game gives them uh but mm, boy that's it's kind of hard to deal with if you're running if you're running anything that's slow and and even remotely squishy or even if you're running something slow and fat you know well and that's so kind of where it falls apart if, between titanfall and in this game is that in titanfall everyone can do that where in dust it's certainly a specific fit and in many cases specific suits that can do it whereas if you're running like you said something that's fatter and heavier you're you're basically screwed you you can't even do the option of, of moving like that and it does cause severe balance problems uh, i'm sorry i i cut you off i forget what i was gonna say oh, shit man sorry one of the permutations I've seen lately, now that the initial spate of jumping has kind of died down and it's more of a subset of people still using it, is that there are new places for uplinks and for ambushes that were oh, not yeah. previously available. Because you could land dropships on top of things, sure, but there are little nubs that you could never land a dropship on that people will go and hang out and cloak or drop an uplink. And essentially the only way to get to that, aside from a lucky OB, is to use myos. And that's where I start to get sketchy is when the only way to counter a thing is to use the thing. That's, that is a good point, actually. There's also ways to get outside the map, too. Um, someone pointed out on the uh, Highlands map, um, inside the tunnel there toward the back, you can jump over one of the beams there, and it gets you... Um, basically, the the tunnel keeps going, but it, it ends... Um, and like there's no structure you can just like walk off the edge and you just keep falling so if people can put like uplinks back there to troll people they can't get out yeah there's there's a couple of spots like that that uh, they've, they've cleaned up most of them but that was always a uh, a fun little a walks point that you could throw an uplink into one of those like kind of seams in the terrain and one would... of the that one um it's it's the map where it it i played domination on on it a lot where the one point's like in the center, but it's like off. It's like at the edge of a cliff, and there's like a beam oh, yeah, that you yeah, can yeah. put an uplink on that looks like it's behind the point, but it's actually like, and it is actually possible to get back up there, but it's like a long, long freaking walk to get to, and a jump. Heavies can't make it out of that either, and it's just a, it's just a horrific spot to put an uplink. And from the map, it looks like it's a, a perfect spot for an uplink. Another spot would be on the Caldaria um, biomass facility, and there's a little window area for um, the building set is overlooked. Um, if it wasn't on point, this is where A would be. The curved building that dropships like to land on, the second most part, but it can still get shot down from the disc. There's a little window area, and people have thrown up links in there, and when people spawn in there, they get stuck. They can't walk, they can't move, and everyone's like fisting each other out to try to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think I think that's a good point though. Crosses the the myofibs in general are probably one of those things that, well, uh, for unless we're going to tackle movement in dust, I can see the need for some sort of tool or modifier to be used. Uh, but maybe the way they're currently built definitely needs to be taken a look at, or or at a minimum, maybe this thing called stacking temp penalties start to take effect, like for real skis. Which may itself prove a problem because if this is a raw straight number, which I th I'm fearing it is, stacking penalties may not be possible because they only affect percentages. Hey, Iron Wolf, do me a favor when you actually have positive news and come back and hit me up with that, please. <laughs> I got neg nothing but negative Nancy, sir. 
Yeah, I got you. Okay, so moving on to some other items. Actually, I think Ironwolf, did you have any, had anything other than Biofudge? Uh, I know that was Cross said that, but you, you sounded like you were about to pop in on something. Did you have? Oh, any? I had. Uh, well, I was going to mention that I was trying to bring up a um, idea on the forums about um, limiting the number of fits you can bring into a, a certain fight uh, as a possible means of performance boost. And most of the community has spoken. It's it's something that should should not be too heavily pursued because they. It would cut down on the freedom of the game, but it, I mean, I admit it will dress. All right, so here, here's where here's where I put on my my snarky asshole hat, and I'm actually going to take your side on this Iron Wolf. I'm all about people having to limit the number of suits that they bring into the game. Um, I am 100% on board. Why do you think that is? Tacticality? <laughs> no. I'm all about that, because you know what? If you want to run Logi, guess what? You're only bringing fucking Logi suits in the game. So you motherfuckers that want to run anything else, guess what? You only bring that suit in the game. Oh, man, what the fuck? <laughs> but overall, the idea has been met with um, equal amounts of negativity as positivity. Whoa, so oh, really? That's, I mean, that's fascinating. So if we went through that thread and we saw that, and I could trace that back to... All the threads where they're like, ah, mm, bandwidth is going to save the game. Mm, Logis are OP. Mm, oh, you have to make choices. Mm. Oh, that's fascinating. That's absolutely Bandwidth was a Logi buff. Anyways, um, I, hey, where's, where's I, I would push my ban be, button. Hold on. I, 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 well, I'm not going to push for it. That's because basically what I'm going to say. I, I enjoy changing up what I'm doing based on what I'm what I'm looking at on the field. I switch between I have a commando suit, I have s some assault suits. Um I will break out the logi suit on occasion. I have sentinel suits. I, and it, it just it depends what's on the field. And uh, another big concern about limiting suit choice would be um AV because if you're not facing an AV issue, you're it would be really really awful to be stuck with AV weapons only, but you know, if, if you're only bringing infantry suits, what are you going to do when someone starts rolling piles of tanks? The uh, Well, the idea is, is to make a set. You pick whatever set you want. You can may have multiple sets, so to say. So you could possibly have 50, feet, 50 fits total, but you choose which which 10 you bring. Also, um, this, well, this is me as a player. I, as an Omni-Soldier, I typically change my roles quite often in a single fight. And I've never caught myself having more do this more than seven times in a single fight. Heck, I've a hard time dying seven times sometimes uh, in most of my fights. Yeah, and 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 I, I know I joked about it earlier, but literally that was, and I do not mean to, to circle back on this. It was that that was literally the exact same reasons of uh, why why some logies did not like the idea of bandwidth because it was not so much about being a logi; it was more about you're you're individually limiting my like me as a player, uh, and, and my and my ability to adapt and to to deal with a tactical situation. So, I, I and like I said, I I'm I'm joking with you a bit, but it is a bit more, um, it, it is it is a bit ironic in that some of the same same discussion points are, are used from a different perspective. Though that's all. But but in general, I I kind of your idea is not that bad. Um, I think I just don't know how you would actually implement it practically within the game, and certainly not within. Um, I, I I don't know that you could do it within the the resource limitations that the developer team would probably have to 
to actually pursue that kind of uh, strategy. Well, the idea is that you're going to be loading less items. Well, it was the idea is for performance base because um, they have cut down the total number of fits we had before, and I was afraid if they saw that as a possible way to gain more frames um, frames per second, they would pursue that again. So this was going to be a backup plan to counter the reduction in um, gameplay, so to say. Because yep, when you do load point. into a match, you do load up every single item in your inventory and all your fits and all your skills are already are preloaded. It has to be anyways for the um, combat. So that's a lot of things get loaded into memory so you can actually swap fits fairly quickly. No, yeah, like I said, I, conceptually I can see where you're coming from. I just, I'm not sure practically how you could you could implement it though. Um, uh, the idea was on the forum, so it's going to be a separate page aside from the fittings where you just do that. Um, you get your ten slots and you pick what fits will fit in them. And before the match starts, you just pick whatever set you want. Yeah, no, I see where you're coming from. So, a couple of quick uh, quick thoughts, guys. Um, I was looking around. Uh, I noticed we talked a little bit about uh, Sarai's playing a new game. So, question: Anybody seen Rainbow Six Siege? I think they got Alpha coming out. I've seen it. <laughs> yes, I have. It looks awesome. It looks like everything that Counter Strike wanted to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that that's a that's a huge, huge, huge game that would be pretty cool. I think uh, I think if I, I remember playing Rainbow Six back when it was. I think it was 16 on 16, like the original Rainbow Six when you PvP'd. Uh, but that was a lot of fun because you could really, you could actually have really fun tactical gameplay, really detailed maps that you can really find uh, a lot of, a lot of interesting uh, engagements in and things like that. So uh, I'm looking forward to that game quite a bit. Actually, it'll be fun to see if that, uh, how that's going to work. And it looks like it's going to be on the PS4 and the PC as well. I mean, it definitely, it definitely does seem to scratch that proper initiative of um, tactics and teams, teams versus team planning. Yeah, no, and I think that's the big thing is it actually, uh, it actually puts a premium on your ability to plan like prior to the match. Yeah, it looked kind of cool. The at least at E three when they were showing it off, the the pregame thing where they had a, a diagram of the house and they were talking as a squad. Okay, we're going to go through this window, move through this room, and I think they could send out little drones and stuff to to see what the people inside were doing. It looked really neat and, and interesting. Yep, absolutely. I, uh, I I think I saw the uh, I think I saw that video, but I'm not I'm not positive. I remember yeah. a video like that, and I remember thinking it was really really cool. But I didn't follow what game it was from or pay much attention to it beyond that. The one I watched was the airplane hostage uh, situation. The uh, counter terrorists were trying to rescue the hostage aboard, and the terrorists were on the loaded uh, landed airplane were um, shoring it up, blocking off um, all sorts of places, booby traps. Heck, they even um, covered one stairs in barbed wire. Yeah, I think the, I think the ability to physically affect the environment through destruction or creation is one of the a fairly innovative way to approach that, and and you can actually build defenses. You can you can look for ways to breach offensively, uh, and I think that's a that's a really really neat thing. And I'm going to be very fascinated to see how that plays out in game. I think it I think it could actually absolutely make up for uh, you know a lot of really really cool gameplay experiences if that does work out the way it kind of looks like it does in the, in the play trailers. Oh, uh, well, another one of the play, live play sessions, same map, um, 
the counter-terrorist shot a square through the floor and kicked through it. Yep. I haven't seen a game done that since Red Faction almost, was it? I don't know. I don't think I've ever played that one. But anyway, that like I, like I said, guys, I was just kind of throwing a, a shout out to Rainbow Siege since it's uh, it's going into alpha, and and I've been following that pretty closely because it does look looks looks pretty sporty. It's uh, it's definitely the style of game that I used to enjoy quite a bit. Uh, that was probably my favorite first person shooter um, that I played. Like, uh, and that, I think that was the first. PvP first-person shooter that I played, or at least, well, I played Unreal Tournament, but uh, that was the first one where I actually got onto the interwebs and actually played against other people, you know. Uh, I always enjoyed it. It always had uh, pretty pretty solid gameplay, and like I said, you had a lot of different options that you could do things. Uh, so, cautiously optimistic. It'd be interesting to see how that one comes out. Uh, go ahead. I think that I'm, I'm sorry, you're saying something about how handsome I am? What? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone who has this much of a resemblance to Deadpool cannot help but be handsome. Factoid. <laughs> uh, just kind of linking back to our earlier conversation about Mayos and dust movement in general, I think Unreal is a great example of how you can have almost any form of movement so long as the movement is close to universal for your players and suits the maps that you're in. And that's kind of the area where Dust struggles a little bit because it has so much customization that you have a lot of different movement paradigms. And that diversity is great, but there needs to be some awareness of that taken into account with map creation and with what types of movement are available to players. Because once you get too much of a disparity in movement types between different roles, you start to run into some real potential play and balance issues. No, I think that's a very legitimate way to look at it. Would it be too much of a paradigm shift if we flatten that too? (laughs) And let modules just affect everything? Yeah, some of it's got to be maps. I mean, I I look at a lot of these things and ultimately they come down to what sort of maps we're trying to deal with. And unfortunately, that's a budget thing and a resource thing. And we can't just, you know, magically create lots of new maps with different paradigms. But it is a thing we have to keep in mind in trying to balance or fine tune because the maps are kind of the context that we have to set everything in. And I guess that's why usually maps are one of the last things they they get developed for a multiplayer game is because you know everyone else's abilities now. And you you set the rules under movement. You set the rules on how they're going to uh, proceed in the environment. Then you make the map the map based off those rules. And Dust Five Fourteen has changed the rules on its maps. So a lot of the maps are becoming more broken. Some of them are being exploited. I mean, if you if anyone's been playing since closed beta, we, we would have known that all. You would have known that Dust Five One Four maps originally did not have rooftops planned. <laughs> You went on top of the rooftops, and they were just so horribly mistextured, um, misgeometry. Um, there was missing geometry, um, collision geometry. I mean, it was entirely designed to not have people on top of these things. You can look on top of them, but you aren't supposed to be up there. And yeah, drop, I remember drop ships ruined that. ruined that. I remember in very early close beta, we would get on top of the. Uh, the saucer on the biomass map and sit there with forge guns and, and various other the projectile weapons and, and throw grenades down and people would get on the forums to complain that we were exploiting the game because we were on the rooftop because like you said it was it was really ugly up there it was clear that it was never designed to actually be looked at up close and then 
once people were complaining about it, CCP went in and then started adding actual proper rooftop geometry, and it kind of started going crazy from there. With people getting on top, and that whole thing started. So it was it was interesting to see that development in terms of the meta from even a very early uh, stage. I wouldn't call it early. That's somewhat late game. <laughs> well, it wasn't as widespread early on, but it definitely grew in strength uh, as time went on. At least from my perspective as a beta player. Okay. Uh, let's see. Any other uh, blast from the past or anything you guys want to hit up before we go into shoutouts? I still miss infantry collision. With Mario's, <laughs> we could we we literally could play Mario. Just jump on people, and they well, die. The thing is, it would dis- it would disfavor the lower HP suit because back when we back when we did HP have suit can jump. Back when we did have um collision. I was a heavy, and I was running really fast because I had the, um, the I think it was yellow pills back then. And I ran into a scout, and the scout died. <laughs> because I just simply slammed into him. Sounds like a ludicrous song. Well, he jumped. <laughs> he was jumping into me, too, and I was, like, running towards him, and um, it, I just ran over him. <laughs> oh, dear goodness. I've just seen something that I can't unsee. Sorry. Uh, you, you can't say something like that and then go quiet. I, I or not show us. I'm about you, to link something. Hang on. You have to share this with the room. You have to tell the. You can't just link it though. You have to actually provide the information on what you just saw to the room for for re, for listeners. I say after he links it. I say Soraya okay. is responsible you, for posting a blog about it with the link, and he's in charge of it from this point on. Oh no no no! You, you Jay, have to Jay agree has to this posting now. rights. Jay has posting rights. Oh, okay, are you give, give are you guys talk amongst yourself for thirty seconds and then then, then we're gonna get into this hot and heavy. <laughs> oh, oh god! Oh boy! Is it Deadpool slash fiction? Thirty-four. There is literally nothing quite like Deadpool on Deadpool action. Oh god! <laughs> no. Oh dear God! What are you unleashing upon us, Jay? Uh, here it comes. Hang on. It's trying to load into the Skype chat. Brace. This is the most exciting part of our show, by the way. Uh, yeah, well, can, please continue to talk amongst yourselves while I'm trying to, trying to get well, this Well, we were waiting to do shout-outs here. And you, no, you we failed well, we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Just, wait, wait. It's like, you do whatever you're going to do, because right? I've got something more important to do right now. <laughs> okay. We, we, we could talk about the blog now. That's probably I thought having Jay on the show kept us on the rails. Well, that, until yeah, Deadpool but... is involved, and then it goes, you know, poor shit. Yeah, clearly. Um, so, yeah. So, um, one of the big things that uh, Pokey started uh, this week is he posted a um, guide uh, to damage profiles. Um, and the, the goal here is that, uh, the blog's guides will be updated as the game gets updated. So our, our blog should actually function in some way as the most up-to-date form of documentation for this game ever, ever made. Um, and, uh, so he's starting with that. We're going to, on a regular basis, hopefully, uh, release new guides on the game and we'll keep them all up-to-date. Yeah, it was interesting because damage profiles is one thing that should be in the game, but isn't, and people have to go to a outdated dev blog to actually get information, which, again, is not correct. And so I, I decided to write that up, and then I began working on a, a different guide for a, another topic. Um, in just, you can tease the topic. Tease the well, topic. Yeah, but basically it's it's just kind of a, a rundown of weapon ranges. And, and again, something that's not in the game but should be, 
and just trying to find all the information and going to like seven different sources and various dev blogs and dev posts. And you quickly realize that new players don't have a chance in actually understanding the stuff because there is really no updated, you know, central database of information they can look at it in an actual easy to read format. So we are going to be trying to get out uh, at least one of these guides, like once a week, maybe more depending if we have people, uh, writing for us, but I will attempt to get something out at least once a week uh, in terms of, uh, you know, information that is early on. I'm probably going to focus mostly on new player experience because a lot of these things are very core to the game, but are not explained very well and new players need to have a, a good source for that. But later on, we'll, we'll probably dive into some more advanced stuff that, that that's probably find more interesting. But again, early on, you're, it's going to be for new players, but please get on there, read them, uh, refresh your memory and give us feedback on, you know, if I explain something well or poorly, just so I can, you know, give a, a better experience overall with future guides and whatnot. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try and tackle this. Hold on, I'm gonna try and tackle this image that that uh, Jay just sent us. It looks like it's intended. To, it's intended to be like a postcard with a Deadpool with a unicorn horn throwing stardust while riding Grumpy Cat holding a Pop-Tart flying through the air with a rainbow streaking behind. It's coming it's out of the cat's ass, ass, actually. Yeah, it's Neon Grumpy Cat with Deadpool corn on top or something. It's it's magical, is what it is. The fuck? I, I might have to put this... <laughs> this might have to go in the blog post for this week's episode. <laughs> This is going to replace the banner image. It's it's, it's, it's title, Magically Delicious. Yeah, I'll actually put the the text for our our typical title block on top of this so you can experience it, you know, full frontal. Oh, goodness gracious. (laughs) Um, in In a desperate and frantic attempt to drag this conversation back to some form of relevancy that isn't Deadpool killing everything with a rainbow. Um, I think for the for the blog, if there are op-ed pieces, etc., that aren't going to be consistently updated, like the guides, having a tag that corresponds to the build could be really useful for people who want to look at the progression of that, things. Or that's archives. actually a really good point. That's a that's a good call on that one, Cross. Yeah, we can certainly do that and keep uh, an update on how current it actually is. And then you will become the go-to source for all forum finality. No, no, surely it was this build. I, I, how many arguments are there like that everywhere? Now there will be a source. Honestly, a timeline would be super helpful in a lot of discussions because people have misconceptions of the way things used to be, quote unquote, and are typically totally wrong. So it would be good to actually have some concrete so like and updated starting, information. Starting now, there will be, a, a, a for all future updates, a coherent chronology available on the Biomass blog. Yes, which is at www.biomass.net or .com, which is now working after Soraya sold his soul and mortgaged his house for a second time to purchase the domain name. How, how much did you spend on it again? $133. Listen to the shame. Savor the shame. <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that's that's actually, and I do want to give props to uh, to Pokey and Soraya on uh, the website revamp that they did. Like in general, if you if you have not looked at it, you really do need to go to biomass uh, biomass.net slash biomass.com. They they both go to the same place, right? Yes, yeah. yes, they do. Yeah. If if so, you go to dot, if you go to the dot com and you click a link, you'll actually end up on the dot net. But yeah, 
Right. So if you go to like biomass.whatever, it, it will actually – they've done a legitimately a really, really professional job of uploading it. And and I know that they've been pumping out to a lot of different people to get uh, some some folks in to contribute. And, and that's what we really are looking for. Uh, and it, it, they can be – you can have some opinion pieces in there if there's something you want to get off your chest. And, and a, a form post isn't really the right way to do it. Uh, this is probably not a bad spot. Now, we will – we are not going to edit uh, what you're doing, but we will obviously control – what what gets posted or not? Oh yes, I'll edit so. it. I will edit it. No, no well, for formatting maybe, but well, not well, the actual like content. Edit, editing is for yeah for for content quality, not I mean not voice. I mean, if you write a news page or you write an opinion paper and tag it as news, we're probably going to fix it to make sure it's actually tagged properly. But we aren't going to change what you write. If, if, you're, uh, if you write like an opinion post that isn't deserving of being posted, I'm not going to edit it. I'm just going to delete it. No, we will discuss as a group if it's if yes. We'll, we'll discuss as a group. We're, we're, we'll our our editors are are professional. Um, Professionals who, who are absolutely, you know, just <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. I, I, I'm just picturing Zell in a sack while Pokey and Jay beat him with soap at this point. Uh, something like that. Yeah, he he likes it though. Trust me. Well, you have a very trustworthy face, so you know how can I argue? Of course, of course. It's what you can do about them tin, uh, those tinfoilers. Well, that's something. Because they'll say it's a conspiracy that you're trying to control the voice if you delete your stuff. We, we we could have a tinfoil section that's specifically for insane and, and crazy speculation. Just for Bam. Just for Bam. A, a bacon and beer section, if you will. Okay. Well. Yeah. So, on that note, uh, I like I said after I give my my quick punk out to the uh, to the biomass website. Uh, like I said, guys, really, it's a re- it is a really good site, and tried to bring up the point that we are probably going to be touching on on uh, you know broadening horizons outside of dust and. A lot of us play Eve, or at least I play Eve, uh, so might pitch into that. But we also are very interested in gaming in general, so you're probably going to see some stuff about, you know, planet side, whatever, uh, any kind of game you, you can imagine that somebody's going to play, either one of us or one of the contributors. We're more than welcome to have that put up on the site, so it's not like a dust specific site, uh, although that's probably what we're, we generally tend to cater to. It's it's like it's like if you look at uh, the Matani.com, they have most of their posts are about Eve. They talk about Eve news. They talk about Eve in-game politics. They talk about all sorts of Eve stuff. And then there's this little sprinklings of dust and some Valkyrie and some Star Citizen and some Planet Side and some World of Tanks and whatever else people happen to be playing. Um, I, I would kind of like to say that we will cover dust as well as uh, TMC covers uh, Eve, and that we'll cover you know Eve about as well as TMC covers dust. Kind of, kind of reverse that. Our focus is is uh, dust. Zell, don't try to em- emulate TMZ. It's not healthy. Not TMZ. It's not TMZ. TMC. There's a difference. A big one. Not, not really. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm glad All we right. cleared that up. So, guys, we are. Uh, I think we're going to hit our shoutouts for real skis now, and we will start at the top of the list. Uh, so, debate. What's up, man? Can you give us a shout out? Yeah, we'll do. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, all of you guys uh, for having me on. Um, I know I didn't contribute much, but I'll, uh, hopefully I can uh, get better at that. Um, also, I'd like to shout out uh, to my court mates. I know you're, know you guys aren't listening, but fuck it. Thanks, guys. Awesome, excellent. You're getting into the mood of things. We're gonna have you back on the show. Seriously, you do have an open invite. Come on back. 
Uh, and, you know, feel free to, to bring uh, something you want to pitch into the group or if you want to just throw some elbows and get into the conversation, man, we're all in. Uh, so let's move on down to Cross. All right. Um, shout out to the great community folks that put together the joint Eve Dust stream for the event recently. There's some good work on their part, and I hope to see more of that kind of thing in the future. A quick shout out to the Valkyrie and Nemesis folks over at CCP, because both of those games are amusing enough that I've actually bothered to pay attention to VR now, which I never cared about before. And a final preemptive shout out to everyone who actually gives me community feedback on my O's that is more than just a troll or a one-line hyperbolic statement. Alrighty, and Iron Wolf. I'd like to give a shout out to Breaking Stuff and Pokey Pokey Darwin over there. They've done lots of great work over the last few weeks on many many subjects and topics on um, getting community feedback together and condensing it into a form that Rattati can appreciate. Okay, all right, that's awesome. And Jadek, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to the Eve Reddit for a solid week of drama and propaganda over the Lichten coup and counter coup. <laughs> That was just fun following that. <laughs> All right. And Pokey? Uh, yeah, shout out to our new guests on the on the uh, show here. It's good to get you on there. I know you were nervous, but you did great. Uh, glad to have you come back uh, whenever you feel like it. And uh, shout out to Zell, who's actually been helping me out with the, uh, the blog and whatnot and checking my formatting and content and making sure I can spell the word fundamental properly, which I apparently can't. So uh, much appreciation for that. Thanks, guys. Good deal. Soraya? Yeah, I'm Soraya Zell. I'm a member of CPM1 and a co-host here on the show. I'm also an editor on our new blog. Okay, awesome. And we're going to be asking you for a CPM update here shortly. Wait, hold on. You never really give one of those. Usually. Oh, never mind. Check that. Okay, well... Uh, um, I, we could give one. Yeah, but it's not like you're going to say anything. That's generally what you usually guys do. I, I don't know if you missed it. Cross gave the Cross gave the CPM update today. Darn. Sorry. Nah, it was it was, and and, and we do actually appreciate you guys are in a tough position. Uh, so uh, I to- I totally understand that. Although the comments that Cross made about uh, the upcoming pirate drop seats, I thought were pretty cool. Uh, I, we should uh, if I'd have known you were coming in, Iron Wolf, I'd have saved you for that discussion. I, I made no such comments. God and in frame, if you're listening, I, <laughs> I I'm not responsible. Jay did it. No, that's uh, I. You, you never know. It's it's always fun to see if uh, you can get, get somebody into mild bit of legal, legal trouble. It's all good. So, uh, and I am uh, Jason Larison, and I have a few shout-outs tonight. So, I'm not going to quote Bull Durham. So, for the like three of you that are old enough to actually remember watching Bull Durham and remember that quote, which I did, for the record, pull out of thin air. Uh, I didn't even have to go to cheat notes on that one. Uh, I do appreciate that, uh, the shout-outs that I got on Twitter for that one. So that was big thanks. And by the way, Jadek is my uh, he's my hype man. You guys remember that back in the 80s? Like the hype man, the guy that – a.k.a. the yeah bitch guy. Like if you say something really cool, he's the guy in the back with like the big reform player chain that goes, yeah, bitch. He's that guy. Whoop, whoop. So that's what I'm talking about, brother. So uh, I do have a couple, couple quick shout-outs. Uh, so shout-out to uh, – a guy by the name of Mikey T. Uh, he does not play Dust, uh, but he has listened to the podcast once before. He's a very good friend of mine. Uh, he he's a big he's an inverter gamer, uh, an old school gamer for real. Uh, not just not really a member of OSG per se, but uh, Mikey T. Uh, big shout out to you. He's a good friend of mine. 
uh, and uh, he's going through a very tough time right now physically. I had a, had some things happen at work, but uh, he is probably one of the most lethal Call of Duty players you will ever see, uh, and uh, and he is a lot of fun to play uh, play shooters with. Uh, so one day I hope to actually get him to try dust when he's not laughing his ass off at me for playing. So uh, that's my first shout out. The second one would be to CCP Rattati because we shout out to him a lot, but you know, I always want to throw something different at, at his way. So shout out to your perseverance and patience. Uh, I, I'm very impressed. And also I've got to know, are you in fact going to be in the next Star Trek movie? I keep hearing these rumors. They're all over Twitter. I don't know. I Maybe Jade X started. I don't know, but we're definitely going to help those those rumors get around that uh, Wesley Crusher is going to make a surprise appearance in the new Star Trek world and in that whole new timeline that they've got going on. And I hear it's going to be an older version of Wesley Crusher that makes his way onto the scene that comes in, stabilizes crazy situations, and sort of sets the tone like the strong, silent Viking-like leader. And uh, so we're rooting for you if you can get the part, brother. Uh, other than that, guys, I think we're going to call episode 49 closed, and we had a lot of fun tonight. Uh, it's kind of a random rambling show, but not nearly as bad as if I weren't here, then it would just be that a grease fire. Yeah, no, I, I, yes, yes. By the way, I got to talk to you two gay you, who's, you I did, fucking listened did. to the show. <laughs> I told you not to do it. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So anyway, guys, episode 49, we, uh, we do appreciate all the, uh, the listeners, in the steady stream of feedback that we're getting. And so we're picking up some speed. Uh, and, and again, we're really looking to uh, take some things or pushing, pushing things up uh, and get some initial going with the, uh, the biomass website. So please hook us up with some content uh, or point us in the direction of some things you want to see on the website. So with that guys, good night and good luck. <laughs>